welcome to this week's Lo-Fi Top 5. Jeremy, what's up, man? Lo-Fi. I wish I had like one of those really deep bass voices where I could be like, Lo-Fi. Lo-Fi. Oh, that's pretty good. It's it's like I do like a weird, it's just like the sarsaparilla thing. I just get into that. (laughs) Sorry, that's Sam. What's his name? It's It's not Sam Watterson. He's from... Uh, he he's from Long Yosemite <laughs> Sam. <laughs> no, the guy's name who's in um he's in the Big Lebowski. He's got the really Sam Waters. Is it just Sam Waters? Oh oh uh uh, uh Elliot Sam Elliot. That's his name. Yes. Yeah yeah Sam Elliot. <laughs> so I, I I I do think though the uh Yosemite Sam. Waterston would be a really good <laughs> wheel of fortune before and after. It's a good, yeah, it's a good matchup. I like that a lot. Take a fictional character. Oh, national character. <laughs> well, regardless of what they're doing on Jeopardy this week, uh, we are doing our top five sidekicks, henchmen, other guy, other person in movie that really like kind of needs a spinoff. Which, Jer, how did that go for you this week? Well, I think it must have gotten a little better because I was able to more clearly define that as simply the spinoff episode. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. I did take a couple of leniencies here and there. What was interesting is as I was kind of going through different genres of movies in my head and, and browsing through my own lists of stuff I like uh, like to talk about, the recognition that there are certain genres where this has actually been done to death. You know, there there's yeah. some... Like, there is no shortage of Lion King spinoffs, is I guess what I'm saying. That's true. That is very, very true. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a lot of fun with it. This is another one of those, I think my first, I want to say as many as 10 were like, just me, they're just sitting there pounding out on the keyboard right away. And then after that, having fun, like really exploring Movies I've seen recently, movies I haven't seen forever, characters I really enjoyed, and I had a blast. You? Uh, I think this one was one of the easiest top fives that I've had in a long time, Uh, which you can tell because I actually have five coming into the episode, which uh, if you're a loyal listener, you know, not usually a thing. (laughs) And you don't even mean that in like a holy grail five, no three, sir kind of way. You actually have all five ready. No, I have like a definitive five and have for a couple of days now. And and the only thing that has changed is I've had some I've I've like moved some people in and out of Pong because I kind of like disqualified a couple of them just for my own purposes. But this one we sort of like hung up and I was like, all right, I think I know like six people that are on this list immediately and very quickly had three and then within like a day or two was like, Oh, these are my top five and I don't think I can move them. And I've tried throughout the week to get there. But I haven't. Like they're just the ones that I like are still there, and so here we are. Nice. Yeah, I, I ended up with a clear list, and then five of them were just like popping out at me. Like these are the ones you want to talk about. So that's what they are. The real question is: Did they pop out at you, or did the spreadsheet tell you? Oh, these are the five. <laughs> JT, for for a second time, it is my sad duty to report to you. We were unable to come up with a spreadsheet to contain this week's episode. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to make it through the whole podcast without referring to a spreadsheet. I, I tried. 
uh, let me go look at what I had left it with because I, I bailed fairly early. Is I had the screen time criteria yep. I was going to use. I had a actor, actor, actor slash actress category. And then I kind of ran out because I realized this is very much a personal thing that was hard to rubric. And so, yeah, I got no spreadsheet, buddy. That's interesting. I really thought this would be an easy week for you because I was trying to. So my new game with your new game of trying to get one category that really makes me happy. I'm now trying to guess the category that you might use. And so I had thought this week I was like, okay, let's see. What do I think Jeremy will have? I thought you might do story impact would be like a fun one. So like, Mm -hmm. are you just comedic relief or are you actually impactful to the story? I was thinking of uh, like talent, like genuine skill set. Like, are you particularly amazing at something and like, or are you just again around in the periphery? Those were the two that I thought you might try to do some sort of play off of. So I had sort of a, how interesting is this character? But I sort of realized like, we're already cutting it down to my, to, you know, 20 or less entries here. So I don't, nobody's going to be uninteresting, you know? So it it became sort of self-referential, like everything was high. And which point I was like, all right, I'm bailing on the spreadsheet and I'm just going to make my list. Listen, welcome to the land of no lists, man. Like welcome to the land of no spreadsheets. But uh, we do have to do the one formality piece is we have to do the Shawshank. Jeremy, do you have a Shawshank this week? Again, for those of you who don't remember, the Shawshank is the category definer. So do you have a categorically defining sidekick? I do. Me also. Interesting. And and I'm going to go as far as saying I would not be surprised that we have picked the same person. I'm just going to say I don't I don't have a reason to believe we have uh, because my 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 spinoff. I'm going to see keep saying spinoff because this one's definitely not a sidekick. Uh, so I breaks that rule. But I've got one. OK, I think it's my turn to go first in general this week. So should I give you my five-word definition of, of my spinoff sidekick. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, 2001 is when the movie's from. A 92 on Metacritic. And my word, my five words are greatest love story ever told. Uh, is this, you want to see more of Rose from Titanic? No, 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 no. This is one... I'm surprised you I wasn't sure if this was going to be like something that's in your list or I'm surprised you haven't nailed it yet. Oh wow. This is like Pantheon of Jeremy movies. This is way up there. 2001. So based on that statement it's probably a Lord of the Rings pick. Correct. Uh then I would guess you've either I'm going to go with Legolas as your pick. Interesting. So no. So and this is where I think we might disagree. I actually think Samwise, because to me, even though I'm sure maybe in the books it's different, but in the movies he is definitely like a he's he's there, right? His screen time is as high as Frodo's. There's mostly the two of them together. But when it comes to like someone, I want more. I want to spend like there's so much Sam, but it's all Sam supporting Frodo. I kind of want to know more about Sam. I want like a Sam story. Hmm. I hear you. I don't. <laughs> as, <laughs> as much as I love, I mean, you know my love for these movies and books and everything. Uh, 
and hopefully the upcoming uh, Amazon show. First of all, Sam's biggest strength is that he is just an amazing sidekick. Like, you know, many people say he's the true hero of the movie. He, right, right. Right. So on this one, JT, I I would not... It, it's sort of like those that Hobbit trilogy. You know, it didn't, didn't pan out so well. I'm worried that a Sam movie would be him, like, gardening and frolicking <laughs> with his children and, like, you know, hanging out with the Hobbits and having some beers. But also hanging with the Hobbits, which is like a sitcom with Samwise Gamgee, might not be the worst thing on television, just to be fair. Okay, so if you pitched me this as a Malcolm in the Middle-esque show <laughs> with Sam as the dad, and we're seeing the lives of these like miscreant Hobbit children and a uh, pretty wholesome dude as a dad, you know, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'd watch at least at least watch a pilot. I'll give you that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So it sounds like this is not a Shawshank for you, which I am open. I, I am more than willing to. It's just when I when I thought about, and I agree with you. Now that I'm thinking about it, your point's well made. He is a great sidekick. How interesting his spinoff would be, I don't know. The rest of my list, the rest of my list definitely leans into the spinoff more than the sidekick. But for some reason, the second I hear that word. When I think about the most epic and well done of all time, he immediately comes to mind, which is why I put him up there. 100%. If this were like just straight up like favorite sidekicks, best sidekicks, und- uh, un- unrewarded sidekicks, it would probably <laughs> top all of those. All right, here's mine. Uh, March 6, 1998, with Metacritic of 71. And my clues this week, I got to be honest, I was not in the trying to stump JT mood as much as I was trying to have a lot of fun with clue making. Okay. Okay. Religiously observant bowler follows rules. Uh, my five for this were veteran, roller, not a golfer. <laughs> nice. So Walter Sobchak from The Big Lebowski. Yep. To me, this was Shawshankable. To me, I think he's such an interesting character. You wouldn't. Even, you couldn't even tell me what the movie would be about. It could be about anything. Like anything could happen in this movie. Yeah, there's not a pitch in the world that you could start with that and be like, this is the story of Walter that would surprise me. So that this is, I think this is highly Shawshankable and I will happily include this as a Shawshank. Wonderful. Well, then I think we should dive into our top five, which uh, love to hear you kick us off, sir. Yes, and I, I cannot tell you that I have never been happier to go first because I want to get this one so bad and I don't want you to have it. I'm happy to share it with you, but I want the mic first. It's start. It's uh, December 25th, 2009, with only a 57% on Metacritic. Okay. I'll give you Mark Strong and Hans Matheson. 2009, I think that's... Too soon for Kingsman. It is not Kingsman. Okay. Give me your five words, please. Doctor, soldier, husband, babysitter. Doctor, soldier, babysitter are the ones I'm sort of thinking the most through here. Mark Strong, who was the other who was the other actor? Hans Matheson. I don't know who that is. So what was Mark Strong in the late first 2000s that you are this excited about do we think do you know if i've seen this oh i know you've seen this yeah 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 Uh, frustrating i really do like mark strong a lot and i'm trying to remember now i know he's been in many other things that i have enjoyed seeing him in but this one has stumped me 
This movie is Sherlock Holmes, and the character is John Watson. Very good. You want to see you want to see specifically this Watson is what I'm guessing at. Yeah, so listen, I mean, we're not doing TV stuff, so I probably could have leaned right. into the Martin Freeman one also because Sherlock from BBC is like one of my favorite series of all time. I think I've made reference to this before on the podcast. I'm obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. Like it's one of my favorite <laughs> things of all time. Uh, I actually love Jude Law's portrayal of this, to be completely honest. Um, interestingly enough, some almost Watsons, Colin Farrell and Sam Worthington were both almost cast in this. And I definitely can't see Colin, Colin Farrell at all. Uh, Worthington, I could see, but I don't think it would have been as much fun to be, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't love Sam Worthington as a, as an interesting character. Like I, I gotta say, he's not one of my favorites, um, for a role like, for a role like Watson. This is a fun pick. I, I like Jude Law's performance in this a lot. I thought it was actually cool to see an, an, an A-list, you know, Best, but I think he's one best actor uh, taking on effectively the sidekick role. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I I really love the way he did this, just like across the board. And this is one of my favorite characters in story ever, 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 ever. Like the thing that's incredible about Watson, right? So everybody knows Sherlock Holmes, uh, but like the, the stuff about Watson, we actually don't know a ton. There's actually like a really interesting like argument, literary people around like when he was born. It's accepted that it was 1852, but there's an argument for 53 (laughs) and 54. But like if you go through the books, here's what you can piece together about his life. All right. We know he was born 52, 53, 54. Most people go with 52. So he got his bachelor's degree from Edinburgh University because they make reference to that once, presumably in 1874. Right. We know he went to St. Bartholomew Hospital in London and got his medical degree from the University of London in, in 78. We know he was an assistant surgeon in the British Army. We know that he joined the 5th Northumberland Fusilers in India. We know that he then was the 66th Regiment of Foot because he has a little pin on himself all the time. Then he went to the Anglo-Afghan War. He was wounded, got a fever, came back, and then met Sherlock in 81. That's a lot of life, dude. Like... That whole part could be a really cool story. Yep. That's 29 years of life that he sauntered through before he started basically the second act of his life, which is the weird nonsense that he gets into with Sherlock. Would you want to see him? How would you want it made? Is it the flashing back on that earlier life? Is he an old man telling stories to his children? How would you How would you roll with it, JT? Well, so the way that I think, first of all, fun question, and I'm I I'm excited at myself that I already have an answer that I actually really like immediately. So, again, this is so nerdy. I'm really showing what a nerd I am right now, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean into it. So there's 66. I think there's 60 total Sherlock Holmes stories, and Watson is the narrator for. I th- I'm almost positive it's 56 of them. Okay. Right. So he's the narrator. Like that's what it is. Cause like Sherlock does too. And then there's like two random people or three random people that do it. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's a lot. I feel like the great vast majority are him. So what I would do is I would start this as a Sherlock story, like him starting the narration, but, and I would narrate literally up to the day that he's introduced to Sherlock, but starting like in college when his life gets interesting. I don't think Mm -hmm. we need to see like his birth story. Like I don't care what he was like as a seven year old. But basically, from when he decides to be a doctor, you can make a really interesting storyline there. Like, the decisions he makes and why he, why he goes into the war, 
Dude served in two different wars, like tons of tons of like cinematic opportunity there. Uh, he's a gambler. He gets super sick. He's on his deathbed when he when a friend of his introduces him to Sherlock. Like there's a really cool like thing that could get to it. And then the, the last scene is when they opened the door on Baker Street and then cut. That's it. It ends right there. I like that. I, I picture him. I picture the last, my version of picturing that last scene, and I know it doesn't quite work because of the deathbed thing, but he's walking, he's, he, you you just do a mild retcon and you have him basically walking down a street, like he's got written directions, he's looking at them and he's looking at addresses and slowly the camera pans out and you see, you know, he turn okay, turn right on Baker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks up, 31A, and it's like, Yeah. yeah, that'd be dope. And then you have to play the, the Sherlock Holmes TV theme at that moment, no matter what. Of course. Of course. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like it. Good choice. This is a fun one. For moi, we're going back to November 18th, 1994, with okay. a Metacritic of 64, 31st all time on IMDb. Wow. Uh, this is another one of those tough to give cast without it giving away, but we'll see what I can do here. I got Danny Ayeo and Gary Oldman. Okay, I know both of them, but it's not jumping out to me at all. Phew, pick the right ones. All right. Hitman's Apprentice All Grown's Up. Hitman's Apprentice All Grown Up. This is 94. Yep. All right. And you're a Hitman, a Hitman's Apprentice. So somebody follows a hitman around in 94. Oh boy. Uh, I don't think this is happening for me. You were you're 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 pulling your Sherlock here. Those are the right deductive uh pieces. Then that person all grows up. Yeah, I can't think of something where like somebody started small small, someone is small and then small. becomes big. Uh unless wait, is this is it Leon the professional? It is. Oh, so who's the sidekick? Matilda. Natalie Portman. Oh. Oh, this is fun. Go on. And this is so this is set now ish. Doesn't really matter. It's much later. She is a grown-up. She went back to school. You know, she was getting she was she was going normal, right? She was going norm core at the end of uh, Leon. <laughs> and she tries, but you know, her entire upbringing is a mess. Right, I'm no child psychologist or nothing, but I'm pretty sure a summer internship with a hitman after your family's been brutally murdered doesn't leave you, you know, you're not going to be a dentist or something. Oh, yeah, no, she's broken, broken. <laughs> yeah. So she maybe goes to to college, maybe gets kicked out, maybe ends up at a, at a state school or two-year, I don't know, kind of program, ITT Tech, something like that. Sure. You know, is tr- maybe doing Joe jobs in her early 20s, flipping burgers, barista time, anything like that. I don't exactly know the sequence of events, but something triggers her down this path of like everything's everything's a problem and broken. And I don't know, maybe she gets on the dark web and finds a job. I can't, you know, I'm no screenwriter, but I'm just saying you got this broken character who does in fact have some latent skills. It's like Hannah if you saw yeah. that. I, lo- I actually love that movie. Hannah's a great movie. Anyhow, Matilda all grows up. I wouldn't call it that, but it would be like, 
Maybe you call Matilda the professional. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, that would be really cool. This is a great pick. I, for some reason, I, yeah, this is a, there's a theme here, which I struggled with the entire time. I struggled with, I mean, was, was fun. And it's been like a fun thing to try to think through is like, are they a team or is there clearly a person? And for some reason in my head, I guess, cause this never, never came to mind, which is, it just means it's a good pick on your part. Uh, but yeah, to me, I felt like they were a team, but I would love to see what happened. For sure. That'd be an amazing right. thing to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. So who plays it? Is it still Natalie Portman? It has to be, right? Yeah, what you do is you 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 could put together footage or whatever you need to do for like, you do this montage of her growing up. Like you do a quick bit of her in school, getting out, sent to detention, do the same thing, you know, and, and I don't know if the de-aging is quite good enough to really do, although Natalie Portman still looks the exact same, right? She looks basically the exact same. <laughs> So I don't know. You pull it off one way or another, CGI, or you just skip ahead and she, it's all through exposition, right? You can you can make that story happen. But yeah, I think it's Natalie Portman. I could certainly make a case for. Ooh, no, that would make her too old. I was going to say like Jennifer Garner, but oh, that's interesting because she doesn't. Yeah enough similar facial features but i think she's just too like i think i just do natalie portman why not she's a good actress not my favorite but i think i think a role like this i'd like her in very much she's one of my favorites so uh great pick absolutely love that and uh green lit we should absolutely green light that somebody just get on it right now my next one august 21st 2004 with a smashing 51 percent on the metacritic i will give you mark hamill because I'm just going to keep trying to use him in every movie I possibly can. And Jason Lee. Uh, is this something by the uh, J- by Kevin Smith? So I will give you my five words because I happen to love the five word one that I came up with. Hushed homeboy humorously hangs. What did you say? 2004? 2004. Hushed homeboy humorously Hushed. hangs. Is it Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Jay and Jay, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and I want I want a Silent Bob story, man. I really do. Oh, just Silent Bob, just Silent Bob. So here's why I went with this. Back to it, perfectly executed on your part, by the way, unintentionally. They're a do they're a duo, right? You would argue that like they're on screen the same amount of time. Technically, he's not a sidekick, but because of the way he's portrayed, right? This dude has 102 total words in this film. Total. <laughs> and Kevin Smith is on record saying the reason he doesn't talk is just because Jay never shuts up. It's not that he's like disabled. Like he just doesn't get his a, a word in edgewise. So I want to see like a movie without Jay. I just want to see some Bob and I want it to be written in the view askew way where it's silly and weird and funny and random, but have it be centered around him as a character sans the crazy, like without Jason Muse. So I think you need to have Jay gets kidnapped. Oh, that'd be great. I love that. Yeah, it'd be great. I think that's the story. Because then you get put Silent Bob and the protagonist, you know, he's trying to get his buddy back. Yeah. And and you probably have some scenes of Jay being crazy wherever Jay is. But you get to sure. focus most of the story on Silent Bob. And, you know, he's probably finding all the people from the View Askewverse and all that kind of stuff. 
Right, and I love because like he is like grounded, like the few words he says, he's always like super well-spoken and thoughtful. So like to see him navigate a thing without his crazy friend, but in the crazy world that his friend exists in is actually the perfect entryway. Oh, Jeremy, I love that. So let me ask one sort of fun question, right? If you had to recast Jay and Silent Bob, and this is this works out perfectly, mm. let's pretend that we, we do Jay and Silent Bob, but it's a serious movie. Right. So it's like a serious, it's a thriller. Now you just made it like, this is like Ronan. It's a, it's a kidnap movie and we're going to recast them. Who's Jay and who's Silent Bob? Wow. That's a tough question. Uh, So how old are they? Are they current age? Yeah. You can make them, you can make them however old you want. I mean, it's an action movie. So like, don't go too old. Yeah, Yeah. No, it's an action movie. So I can't do. I was about to say Jack Black. Oh, that's a good one. You could, hey, I don't know if you watch his TikTok. You totally could use him in an action movie. He's like, he's a good sized man, but he's 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 nimble, man. He's a nimble guy. <laughs> he he's decent in uh, what's it called the uh, the the Will Smith one. Um, he's one of the FBI or NSA dudes in the van oh, yeah. in Enemy of the State. He also recently has done this stuff. He's also recently done Jumanji. And he like he's active in, Jum- in Jumanji. He's got to run around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, again, being really blunt, I actually don't want to recast them. So Perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly stuck on that, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm forcing myself to. So it's an action. And I can't put Timothy Chalamet because he's in everything else. <laughs> Could I do Jared Leto, Leto as, as Jay? Yeah, you could. Sure could. Okay. And he's way too handsome and fit, but Ryan Gosling would be a hysterical, like, twinsy Silent Bob, like, because he's such the opposite. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I'm probably settling, though, on Chris Pratt as Bob. All right. Can I pitch you my two? Yeah, since you've been thinking about it and prepped and have a really good two as opposed to my on the fly, what can I do with this? I wouldn't think it's that good, but I, I, right. think, it, I think it would be funny because I've seen them on screen together and I think they're hysterical. I want to go all Brit and I think I want to do Orlando Bloom as Jay okay. and I want, I want Ricky Gervais as Bob. <laughs> so you're not getting serious. That's Ricky Gervais. Have you seen Afterlife? Ricky Gervais can act, act, and Orlando Bloom does all kinds of stuff. Oh, I like Orlando Bloom. He's fun. I just yeah. think Ricky Gervais. I I can't. I have not seen Afterlife yet. It's on the you know inevitably like everything else. It's on the list, right? But uh, I don't see him as my action thriller hero guy. But why not? I'll watch it. I like him. I like him. If, if we're if we're not trying to recast them from their movie appearance, the other person who I think could do the good action version of Silent Bob. And I am going, I don't want to, I do not want to butcher his name uh, at all, but I know I'm going to is Daniel Kaluuya could make for an interesting, because he has the intensity. I, I love his facial expressions, by the way, as an actor. Like he's very he's, expressive. Yeah. Like he's one of those actors. It, it, it's funny. The one that's coming to mind is Emma Stone, who I think also just does such a wonderful job. Like eye emotions, like you see so much in their face. Anyhow, I like him in this movie. That's what I'm saying. I love it. Perfect. All right, my man. You're up. March 31st, 2000, with a Metacritic of 79, I will give you Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta-Jones. 
Lily Taylor, Catherine Zeta-Jones, 2000? I try really hard to find the actors and actresses that you would not instantly guess. And and this was this movie is possibly the hardest one to do that with. So Catherine Zeta-Jones in 2000 makes me think it's going to be one of the Ocean's 12 things, Ocean's 13 things, because she was in that one horrible one, the worst one they did, I thought. Um, but I don't remember Lily Tomlin being in that. Not Lily Tomlin, Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor. Yeah, okay. Lily Tomlin is totally different. I don't know who Lily Taylor is. All right, keep going. She was actually just in uh, Perry Mason, and she she played Tatiana Maslany's mother. I love. She's Orphan Black. I love love her. I, I she should have like this most blossoming career. Anyhow, uh, here are my five words: Odd Couple Run Record Store. So this is high fidelity for sure then. Correct. And you're going to say that Jack Black is the guy that you want to have a story about? Oh, no. It's the odd couple in a record store starring the Jack Black character and the uh, Todd character. Oh, so it's those two. Okay. It's oh, this Those is two together running a record store. Sorry. Okay. Todd is the actor's name. The character's name is Dick. So it's uh, yeah. Barry and Dick's record store <laughs> but my my scenario is something like it's not long after the movie so it's not you know it's not set now it's set then no cell phones or rudimentary cell phones but it's it's uh, i don't know um rob sold them the record store or he retired or he just lets he lets them run everything and he's doing making making mixtapes for people or whatever and it's set Probably I have this as a as a comedy, like straight up like comedy. But I will be honest, most of me wanted this as a series, not a movie. Mm. And since spinoffs often go that way, I'm going to take the liberty of this moment to make it that this the decision. So it's a 10-part Netflix series, or it's an ongoing Netflix or HBO show set in this record store in that kind of late 90s, early 2000s era with this complete dysfunctional couple harassing their customers. You've got recurring customers. It's like Cheers yeah. in the record store. And you got good music happening and you probably tie into the indie music scene at the time. And that's, uh, that's what I'm bringing to you. Yeah, I mean, well, it's I mean, this is a sucker pick because, you know, I'm going to love it because this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I love the idea of those two doing a buddy comedy. Uh, there's a very easy story arc here because at the end of that movie, Cusack is starting his A&R thing and his band is actually like doing well. So it's very easy to be like, hey, we're now going to call it. I wish I could remember the name of his record store. But he starts the record label and goes off and does that and leaves it to those two idiots and be like, you guys are in charge. So like it's a perfect it like th- literally it could open with the next day. And he just decides like I'm doing this full time now. Me and Lisa Benet are going to go be cool. You guys are on your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this. I absolutely love I, I love everything about that. I, I wish they would do it. I mean, they have the high fidelity thing on, I think it's, is that Hulu or Amazon that I haven't watched yet? I haven't watched it either. I think I read somewhere they canceled it actually, which is a bummer. Yeah, it's too bad. But I also feel like they were, yeah, th- this is one of those things that would have been better to do nostalgically and not try to modernize. Like they, w- it would have been better to keep it in the time it was in because it was really relevant for the time it was in. And I'm, I'm afraid if right. they try to modernize it, it'd be, it wouldn't track. Uh, it's a great. I, I really like this pick. This is a fun pick. Again, I, I guess I hadn't really thought of those two as both really being sort of like the henchmen. <laughs> like they really are kind of his like 
posse. Uh, but it's great. And obviously, as a top five list to do a high fidelity reference is basically the most meta thing ever. So I'm here for it. Thanks, man. What's uh, <laughs> what's what's your third choice? All right. Uh, next, I'm going to go July 9th, 2004. Again, uh, a Metacritic of 63. I will give you Chris Parnell and Fred Armisen. <laughs> what were they in, in <laughs> 2004? All right, let's hear the five words. Carpet, desk, lamp, trident, assemble. Okay. I'm not sure if you're going into an Avengers land with your assemble comment or Aquaman with your trident. What were your first three again? Carpet, desk, lamp, trident, assemble. Okay, so now all I can think of is like Ron Bergen, like uh, Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. of the lamp. It was lamp, by the way, that got me. I love lamp. Right. So Brick Tamland loves carpet. He loves desk. He loves lamp. <laughs> you just want to see more of him. Here's the thing. Who is this dude? Like, this is like clearly a crazy universe and whatever, and it's all a joke and whatever, but like, of all of the sidekicks, of all of the ensemble, because this is an ensemble cast, but Will Ferrell is clearly the, the main person. Of all of the people in this, I have so many questions about Brick, and Steve Carell is so hilarious that I just want to know more. I want to see a story of, of how Brick got to where he's going, because here's what we know about this dude, okay? He's polite and rarely late. He comes to find out he has an IQ of 48. He stabbed a guy with a trident. He loves carpet and loves lamp. And in one of the end credit scenes, it says he went on to become a top advisor in George W. Bush's presidential administration. This guy, by all, for all intent and purpose, made it through meteorology school to be on the news. I want to see a young brick. I want to see the origin story. Tell me how this dude is alive based on how they made him here. And this is pure Jim Carrey 1990s slapstick comedy like bring it in full force would you be open i hear where you're going with this but would you make it a split story where the first half is the backstory and the second half is his life after being uh w's advisor uh i think it's an opportunity to do almost like a wandavision thing where you could have episodes in the beginning and episodes in the end and then have some really cool cuts in the middle with all the cameos of like you know, the first time you met Ron and the first time you met Champ and all those guys. Like, I just think there's a lot of this stuff here. And he is, listen, he's just such a hilarious character. And he's one of the most quotable characters, I think, in any comedy in recent years by yeah. a lot. Um, and it's just, he's so funny. And Carell was so hysterical doing it. And I, I just would love to see them really. And McKay is, is so clever with stuff like this. Like, I think they could come up with a really funny baby brick storyline that like track him from high school all the way through college and just let it be just as goofy and awkward as as possible. Like the most random things will happen to him with all these crazy, amazing stories that he's unaware are are interesting. Like, I just think it could be a really funny, like romp. I like it. I like this one. I would have, you know, it would have been a great, you know, would have made this character amazing. if it had been set at a totally different time. 
Peter Sellers. Oh yeah, yeah. I How good would right? Yeah, like for yeah, sure. I could even see a deep fake of that just based on on other Sellers work. Like he's so perfect for this kind of a character. I'd love yeah. to go find out. Like, was it based on his kind of performances? That's a fun choice, yeah. buddy. It's a fun character to choose. It's a good one. Thank you. Yeah, I like this one, and it w- it wouldn't surprise me if if there was at least some Sellers in the stuff that Carell did. Um, and I would love Sellers, but I also I don't want to take away from how hilarious I, I think Carell played this so well. Like it's he plays for it sure. so well, for sure. So sticking with a comedic genre, because my next my next end movie is unquestionably also a comedy. June first, two thousand and one, with a Metacritic score of sixty six. Okay, I will give you David Wenham and John Leguizamo. Oh. John John Leguizamo, love him. Um, Leguiz- so Leguizamo, this, yeah, Leguizamo. I really can't pronounce anybody's names, can I? No, you're usually pretty good. His is weird, like it, phonetically. It, you said it right phonetically. The only reason that I know that is because I actually saw him a couple times live do his one man show in New York, and it's actually still one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, this, so this has to be. I'm just going to assume this has to be Ice Age. This is not Ice Age. So Leguizamo in 2000, did you say? 2001. And David Wenham. Okay, keep going. This is interesting. I don't know. I love Leguizamo. Drunken, vice-ridden gnome artist. Drunken, vice-ridden gnome? Like a lawn gnome. Gnome. Well, yeah. Artist. Fascinating five words. Drunken artist. What did John like? Was he was in like belly? <laughs> this probably isn't that. Ah <laughs> uh, man, I don't know, dude. <laughs> we talk here. Here's what's interesting. We actually talk about this movie all the time. It, it is a movie we talk about in prep all the time. That is my final clue. In prep all the time. Oh, no. So not something we bring up on the podcast. I, I'm really stuck on like Wazamo's IMDb right now, and I can't think of a movie he's in. Like he's in uh, – no, but I think 90, I think it was like 96 or 97 when they did Romeo and Juliet because he was Tibble yeah. in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but I can't get past – I can't get past it. This would be uh, Moulin Rouge is our movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> And in this case, it is actually John Leguizamo's character that I chose, Toulouse-Lautrec. He is the one who says, you see me as a drunken, vice-ridden gnome. Christian Mm. is the first word of that sentence. And I just think he plays this character so crazily. Like, Toulouse-Lautrec's a real person. This, This version of him is a very loose but fun interpretation. I would love to see a very like non-serious, non-historical, like historical fiction where they just take this version. So it's John doing it. They take his version of Toulouse-Lautrec from Moulin Rouge and now just throw a comedy at him. He gets two hours, draws posters, trying to sell them on the street. I don't know what he doesn't. I don't actually care what happens because I don't want it too steeped in reality. I want it more like this crazy world. No singing for this one, by the way. This is not a. Right. This is not like a straight sequel. This is a, uh, a spin true spinoff. But I love the way he rolled in this movie, and I want to see him more. This is so funny. Uh, it's a very very fun pick. I definitely didn't see it coming. Obviously, uh, it is a fun. <laughs> 
a fun little like insight into our conversations before the podcast. We always use Moulin Rouge as the example of like when we're trying to figure out like what the category is or would this count versus not count, we always find a way to reference it. So I just think I removed it from the pool of movies I can guess from. <laughs> I think <laughs> I figured it was one or the other. Either you're going to, the moment I said his name, you're going to be like, Oh, this is Moulin Rouge. Or it was what you just said. Like you just, it's, it's, it's erased from your, it's like a black hole in your memory. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not a movie that I can pick from, which makes this really fun. And he really did. He played this character. Like it is way, way big time over the top and like very fun. Um, this would be really interesting. It'd be a really interesting thing to do. I have no idea how they would, how they'd take it. But uh, yeah, I think if you just lean into comedy, I'd want to watch it. I'd want to watch it. Nice. It was very well done. Side note. Uh, putting him in a comedy, like I cannot tell you how amazing his live one man shows were. I saw I saw both multiple times. He's so animated, and his story he's such an amazing storyteller. I saw one of them. I don't remember. What, do you remember the names of them? I was I, I was about to go Google it and go, and then I was running out of time and rat hole all that. I saw I, one of them. He's amazing. Yeah, he's so good. I saw one of them off Broadway in Brooklyn, and another one when he actually did it on Broadway. And I can't. One of them is called Sexaholic, and I can't remember what the other one's called. But they're both absolutely hysterical. Like they're so well done. So this would be fun. Anything that you could cast him in, I'd be into. I think he's also a, a good example of uh, actors who are problematic for Hollywood to deal with, but audiences actually love. Yeah, I think he's squarely in that because he's not. He's not. Uh, uh, traditionally attractive enough to be your kind of Hollywood leading man type. But he's really talented. He's really funny. When he has to be serious, he's serious. Like I saw his range. Same thing. Seeing, I, I wish I could remember. So it, it's not flea or something like that, but it's, it's like dirt or worm or gutter or something. It's like, it's a, it's a total uh, pejorative. I just can't remember what it is, but, but, it's like a like it's a you know those comedians who who deep who who delve into their own lives like he's that guy so yeah yeah he's he's so good and I'm sure like and you're right he's unfortunately he's just not classically handsome so I'm sure like anytime you know Benjamin Bratt shows up at an or at a casting for him John Leguizamo is just like forget it <laughs> he's just <Yeah>. like leaves <laughs> I'm going home yeah uh, all right so. My next one, uh, May 18th, 2001, with an 84 on Metacritic, which I thought was not high, but kind of high. Okay. Uh, I'll give you John Lithgow and Vincent Cassell. Well, it's definitely not Ocean's 12 for this one. It's not, no. It's Vince Cassell in 2001. Hmm. I think I'm going to need a little more. All right, five words. Struggles with vegetables. Loves parfaits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so now I'm going to guess this is an animated movie. It is, yeah. And I also am going to guess that I don't know what it is you're referring to. 2001, Struggles with Vegetables. Wait, is it Ratatouille? No, it's not. It's not. It's a good guess. Uh, is it, is it Pixar? Uh, it's actually not Pixar. Oh, not even Pixar. All right. I, I'm stumped. You got me. All right. So, uh, this is Donkey from Shrek. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before you go any further, I went looking for like Shrek. Sp I had thought of Donkey also, and I went looking at Shrek spinoffs and I thought there was like a donkey's tail or something that they did. 
Maybe they did, but whatever, if they did, they didn't do it well enough. And I, I want a different version. First of all, I didn't see it. But Eddie Murphy is back. He's doing things again. This was an early days DreamWorks sort of deal. The scene I'm referencing is when Shrek's trying to describe that he's like an onion and he has layers and Donkey sure. just tears him apart. And he's like, you mean like a parfait? Like everything that Eddie Murphy does is just so good. But there's a lot of like burning questions that even like 15-year-old JT had when watching it the first time and I have now. Like, why can you talk? How long have you been able to talk? Why were you in the captivity of some old woman trying to trade you in for coins? You're a talking donkey. Leave her. I just have so many questions. And let's be clear. Anything Eddie Murphy does, I'm probably going to be into. Uh, He's hysterical in this. He was also hysterical in like Mulan when he was like the little dragon. Like every voice work he's ever done has been nothing short of brilliant. He makes so many hilarious 80s references in this movie. Like there's so many great like pop culture things if you watch this back because it was kind of like the first foyer into this is for adults too. And you could still do that. You could make a donkey movie that's a prequel to whatever happened. So you learn the whole origin story of donkey and you could make it both kid and adult friendly because Eddie Murphy. And I'm just, I, I want it to happen. And also like, you know, it's come a long way as far as how you could make these things look now. Think about like the marketing stuff. You could do all this cool AR experiences. There's VR tie-ins potentially. I want more donkey. I, I love this in its entirety, JT, is that, again, Don, donkey would have been on the list, but I, after, basically after I got to like the third or fourth animated movie where I was like, oh, that guy'd be cool. It was like, oh, they've had their own like seven movies all straight to DVD or streaming or whatever. I would have said straight to VHS, but you know, don't want to, <laughs> don't want to Gen X myself too far. Anyhow, I think it's a great pick. I, I, I like Donkey's origin story. I like post Shrek Donkey. I would, heck, I would watch half of a version of Shrek from Donkey's perspective, just because yeah. I think that'd be fun too. So, I, I, well done. thanks i uh basically any excuse to get animation eddie murphy is basically what this pick actually is but it's also it's a good story so i thank you and now your turn all right now i will set this one up again this one is a i'm pretty confident an hbo max series just because of the nature of the content it's not to say it couldn't be a netflix or any of the others but when i when you when we get to the full reveal here i think you'll concur with mine. Do you concur? I concur, Doctor. Do you concur? I concur. Darn it, why didn't I concur? Okay, October 24th, 2014, with a Metacritic score of 68. Okay. I will give you John Leguizamo <laughs> and Willem Dafoe. Oh. Wait, what? <laughs> All right, John Leguizamo, Willem Dafoe. 2014, so relatively recent. All right, keep going. Again, in the non not not a stumper five words here. Manager of Elite Underground Hotel. Manager of Elite Underground Hotel. Oh wait, John Leguizamo's in uh, John Wick. Ah, go on. Okay, so. This is the the front desk guy whose name I can't remember to save my life right now. The character's name is Sharon, as in from Greek mythology. 
the actor is Lance Reddick, who's oh, also known for The Wire, and and uh, he's on Bosch. I love it. I actually love him as an actor. And it's his. It's it's the story is probably called Tales from the Continental. It's mm. kind of how I picture it. And he is the center point to the stories, but it's he still remains in that role. We just have him get a lot more screen time. But it's basically like insane characters coming in and out of this hotel, him having to deal with stuff. Like if you noticed in the John Wick trilogy, he, like they keep saying, oh, we don't fight in the Continental. We don't do this in the Continental. We do these. But at the end of the day, tons of stuff happens in the Continental. Yeah. So I think this could go a few seasons to be candid. I think you can make it a thriller, not supernatural, what, what um, alternate universe or whatever, whatever the Continental is. Maybe it is here. I don't know. It's it's borderline a comic book style yeah. show, but that's what I want to make. I think it'd be a lot of fun because that whole universe of the Continental is great, but they spend too much time in the movies now trying to explain it. So this gives them the place where every question you may have about the Continental is happening over here, but we'll just keep going back to those jobs. And then John Wick himself is mentioned, of course, and maybe cameos. Yeah, this would be a lot of fun. For some reason, I immediately went to that. It's like it is multiple seasons, but it's the same. It's the same timeline in each season from a different guest's perspective. I think would sure. be like a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And that he is the through line, and he is somehow playing all three of these together or four, or whatever. But you do like three little mini seasons that actually all culminate in the end at the same, and then you do one final. Se- It'd be like a fun. That's fun. Yeah, this, this would be fun. I definitely would want it to be like a comic book thing, I think. This is cool. That's a really cool book. It's sort of, it's a procedural, but with an arc. Yeah, yeah. Some episodes are, you know, it, I, I would say maybe most akin to like The Mandalorian, where like four out of six episodes are, you know, Quantum Leap and the other six are actually inventing the story, right? Something like that. Yeah, and I, and, and I do like that. This is a really cool way to – it's kind of backwards. It's like it's backdooring your way into a universe because like they've already explained enough of it now that you could come in hot on each of the episodes because you know enough to be dangerous. You don't have to do like three establishing episodes like they did with WandaVision right. as an example, which was like a little bit of a slog to really understand what, what was going on, although I understand why they did that. Different episode for another time. Yeah. Uh, all right. My last one, June 15th, 2005 with a 70% on Metacritic. Okay. Did you go five for five on mid-2000s movies? Yeah. Interesting. Wasn't intentional. Just kind of worked out that way. Just happened. All right. I'm okay with it. Uh, let's give you Mark Boone Jr. and Rucker Hauer. <laughs> I'm going to assume – I think I know the movie, but I want to hear your five words anyway. Or do you want me okay. to prove to you that I'm, I'm actually fairly confident I got this movie, but I want to hear, let me hear your five words. Okay. Inventor, creator, moral compass, friend. So this is Lucian Fox's story from Batman Begins. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is, it's funny. I joke with my, my mom and I have this recurring joke, which is, can you reduce something down to a Jeopardy question, right? So like, Whenever you hear a trivia question, it's like, blah, 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 this this Spanish surreal painter, blah, 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 blah. You're like, that's Dolly, because he is the Spanish surreal. So if it's a movie in the 2000s with Rucker Howard in it, it's probably Batman Begins. 
Yeah, and it's funny because the problem I had is like anybody else also I think would have given it away. That's why I went with like Mark Boone Jr. But I wanted to pick people that you knew, like Katie Holmes, Watanabe, Liam Neeson, Michael Caine, Christian Bale. Duh, 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 duh. Watanabe would have stumped me because I, I, he's he's got such a small part in the movie. Uh, he's great in it, but uh, that would have been my stumper. And I would have been confusing him with all the other Nolan work. I would have been like, it's definitely Inception. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, so maybe I should have gone that way. Which, by the way, just as a side note, I learned that he actually uh, he got Inception because of his role in this, because of how seriously he took this small role, which was neat. Oh, that's cool. Tsunami. So listen, before like DC people come at me, because to be clear, I'm a Marvel kid, I'm sure there's probably a bunch of stuff on Fox. That <laughs> they've probably done this. I don't care. I didn't find anything immediately. Uh, he's super old. The dude's been alive for a long time. He's been around Wayne Enterprises for a super, super long time. My favorite thing about him as a character was like he was wildly unfazed by all of this Batman stuff. Like wildly unfazed by no questions, not like a, wait a minute, you're going to repel from a what? He was just like, all right, man, I guess you're Batman now. And just like started to get, he's like, yeah, here's all these cool research divisions. You can blow things up and this thing tracks all cell phones. Like he had no questions. He just jumped in and he's like, well, I guess we're doing this. Like, I want to know what created a person that's like that, that late in life. And I feel like there's a very strong uh, grouping of young African-American actors right now that I would love to see do this role and like watch him do the come up. So my question to you is, who would you want to play young Lucian Fox? Ooh, that's a fun question, JT. Well, I gotta say, my my like instant non blinking answer. It, it it and I don't know her name. I apologize, but it's the gender bender. It's Black Panther's sister from the yeah. Black Panther movies. That's a really good one. The thing is, though, it's sort of typecasting. It's like that's actually is her character basically in Black Panther. The other one I'm thinking about, and I apologize, I don't know his name because I just started watching the movie. Is the the guy who plays Judas from Judas, the other so, guy from... So here's actually, because I had written this down. So the two guys that I thought of were Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield, which is who you're talking about. Lakeith Stanfield? Yep, Lakeith Stanfield. He's okay. he's Judas. He's Judas in The Messiah and Judas. Got or it. Judas in The Messiah. So Lakeith Stanfield also uh, is in Atlanta with Donald Glover, which is how I first was introduced to him. And I think he is one of the most hilariously well put together emotive actors right now. And I'm so excited that he's doing a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, he also has done, uh, I'm trying to remember that he did uh, sorry to bother you, which was also like a very, very, very interesting movie. Um, but he's so dope. And I think he kind of has like, he, first of all, he has a similar look to Morgan Freeman where it wouldn't be like so divergent that you're like, that's clearly not who he would have grown up to be if you wanted to actually stay in the universe. Uh, but it's it's funny that you brought him up because that's literally the guy that I wanted to like see in this like instantly. I'm trying to think of who else would make an interesting character here, and those are definitely those are definitely the the, the instinct picks. But I'm sure that if I googled around a bit more, there'd be a few others. But the Lucian Fox story would be would be fun. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because they don't really develop him a lot and it's not knocking DC, but like, again, like he's older, I get it, but like he's older. So there's a lot of room to tell the story before him. And also like in the universe that they're in, I think it could be an interesting tie in to like 
probably what he dealt with as a black man in Gotham, because that's the thing that they don't really touch on. Like, I think there could be a lot of cool angles to this. Um, and like I said, I, you know, Donald Glover is my sort of go. I, I would watch him do anything. I think he's, he's so, great. He's just the best. I'd watch him do anything. Uh, he's more like, and him and Lakeith Stanfield are both very comedic. And there's a certain wit to Lucian Fox that I really, really enjoy, which is why I think this would be fun. Nice. Nice one. You know, the, you know who else is coming to mind? Is, and he's a little too old for it, but I, I think it, maybe just because I'm seeing him in the show uh, and it switches the role, obviously, but is Bill Hader. Could be really... He's got the right witty... You know what I mean? When you said that about the wit, like he has that right wit. He, clearly with Barry, he can show he can be a little morally... Uh, uh, void? <laughs> Neutral? Um, Malleable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, my last one, JT, is my favorite in my list. It was the okay. first one I wrote down. I knew it would be my last entry. And all I hoped all week long, JT, is that this would not make yours because I think you were going to love this pick. This pick is okay. as much for you as it is for me and anyone else <laughs> listening. You're so kind. I'm excited. May 20th, 1988. Ooh. <laughs> Metacritic of 47. Oh, boy. I will give you Kevin Pollack and Gene Marsh. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I would throw in Billy Barty, but I don't think that's going to help you much. I still have no idea who you're talking about. I got five words. It is basically both uh, from the movie. It is the would be the subhead of the of the actual movie that we would then make, which is this character's. Possibly a little pre-story, possibly a little post-story of this movie, said in any part of the timeline. But the five words are, greatest swordsman that ever lived. <gasps> is this Mad Mardigan from Willow? It sure is. Yes! This is a great pick! <laughs> How much would you watch the Mad Mardigan? Mad Mardigan, the greatest swordsman that ever lived. I would watch that yeah. movie, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you can set a little... You can give the pre-story, because Willow is very ambiguous as to what else happens in the Willowverse, you know? Yeah. And the, you know that they're bringing it to... They're making a series out of it. It's going to be a Disney Plus series. I have heard. So, I think Mad Mardigan is potentially an amazing character. You know, the fantasy genre's obviously gotten hot, so we could do this anytime. I do struggle a little bit more on the casting than I, because I think Val Kilmer was perfect in this role. So right. And so to put him today, you know, there's not a ton of people. I went looking around, like, who do I really want for this? And I got to say, I kind of just want a de aged Val Kilmer if they'll let me have that. Yeah, it's tough because that prototype doesn't really exist in actors anymore, it's not really a thing. Yeah, like a little bit of comedic timing, but yeah. but capable of being a serious, effectively action hero. There, you know, the like a smaller version of the Rock. Like the Rock has the right personality to pull it off. No, well, he does. He's way too big. Like you, you need yeah. to be because there's there needs to be a. You know who might be fun? It would be more leaning more into comedy. Ooh, I got two for you. So one, even though I think he's a little he's a little old, but. Uh, John Hamm, I could see being both a great swordsman and also kind of like a, a rambunctious sort of 
comedic galoot, if you will. Yeah, I, I think though, I think you're right though. I think he's just a little too old. I think so. The other one would be uh, Jake Johnson, who was Nick Miller, because he's Ooh. he's like in Ooh. if you if you remove him from the Nick Millerdom, he's actually in pretty good shape, and he like is a good like you know he could he could clean up, and you could give him the silly ponytail and whatever. He's hysterical, yeah. and he definitely has the swarmy sort of like he's got the charisma for sure. What about Chris Pine? Ah, uh, see, the thing with Chris Pine is like he's almost too good looking. But I guess Val, Val Kilmer but was so also was Val bad. Kilmer. Yeah, no, Chris Pine might be really good actually. Chris Pine would be really yeah. You know what? Chris Pine would look hilarious with a ponytail. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely need to put a ponytail on that guy. So yeah, I've been, I've been excited. I, I kind of thought you might have had it, but from the moment we started, I wrote down Mad Mardigan, and and I've just been excited for this moment. Yeah, well, it's uh, the. Pay- I hope the payoff was worth it because I am very excited and I am sad that I don't. I don't have this anywhere. This was just I just didn't think of him, and I can, I like my. I cannot tell you the nostalgic feels when you just even said it. The second it dawned on me, I was like, oh, this would be so cool, and I'd be so excited to see them do this yeah. now. I'd be so excited. Uh, peck, 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 peck. All right, <laughs> should we volley ourselves into a game of pong? Yeah, let's get into pong. So uh, I will lead off. 1994 and 80% on Metacritic, the only guilty man here. Wait, what year? 1994. That's Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Fuck, uh, Red? So I I wanted to use this as a Shawshank just because it's more of a joke, but like the more I thought about it, this guy's been in prison. We know he did it, but I'd like to see the impetus of what actually happened to it. Like you could make a dramatic series as to the, the red four story. Uh, I, I don't think it's brilliant, but it was fun. Good pong pick. I thought that's a fun pong pick. My first one, which I also knew from the beginning and knew I wouldn't make him top five, even though I love the movie and the character and the actor to death. It just wasn't, it didn't make my top five cut, but 1972 Metacritic of a hundred, which I think is, Possibly enough. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But my quote is, he's not a wartime consigliere. So what I'm trying, so I think I know this, but I'm also, I'll be honest, I'm nervous right now that I'm going to get the the movie wrong because for some reason 72 feels like way before when I thought the, the movie I'm thinking of came out. No, I think it's that movie. I think you just have that wrong. Otherwise, I, th- I think you've. I think you've probably got. It. My assumption is you've got it. But so go this is it. the Godfather. This is the Godfather. It is. Yeah. Okay. And it's is it Michael from the Godfather? No. No, it it's Tom Hagen. It's Tom Hagen. It's the lawyer. The actual consigliere. Okay. Yeah. That's really from seventy two. Seventy two and seventy four. Yeah. Holy moly! I was way off. If you had asked me when those were, I think I might have actually gone late seventies, early eighties. I'm way off. Okay. Well, hey, I, today I learned. Uh, 2004 with a 66 on Metacritic from Slingshots to Magic. Is this Psychic has a fifth sense? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe? Well, I've got a movie from 2004 with a 66 Metacritic. All right, what's yours? Mine is Cal Naughton from Talladega Nights because they do the slingshot in the beginning and then he becomes a magic man in the end. Yes. So 
Mine was <laughs> mine was Karen from Mean Girls. <laughs> you love Mean Girls. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. I didn't realize that they were both 2004 and both 66. That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Uh, okay, before I go to the next one, I have a question. Should we do a separate podcast around Marvel characters that deserve their own movie? Because I have a number of Marvel characters that didn't make my top five here. I don't know how sidekicky they are. They're all part of the ensemble. But I have a number of them. And I don't know if we should like hold back. We're doing this on the fly, by the way. Like I, I just wanted to ask you. Because I could do them here. Or should we keep them in our back pocket and actually do a full episode? Hmm. No, I, th- I think we can. I think we can certainly have some fun with MCU stuff. But I, uh, I kind of want to hear it here okay perfect so then i'll do uh 2008 with a 79 percent on metacritic get your own roof if it's 08 it's probably iron man but i don't know it is iron man yep it's iron man uh so i want to see the war machine i want to see roadie's like full story before he becomes war machine ah okay all right all right 1984 metacritic of 66 the super cop story was working. Robocop? No, this is the adventures of Taggart and Rosewood. Oh, the adventures. Okay, so this, oh, that's great. So this is Beverly Hills Cop, and it's literally just, uh, what's his name? Judd, 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 Ryan, John Ryan, Judge Ryan, Judge Reinhold, and, and uh, Taggart. Taggart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, next one for me, 1990, a 51% puck pounder reptile cohort. Puck? <laughs> what year? 1990. I love 1990 with a puck. Uh, is it Mighty Ducks? No, this is Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, good one. Good one. Okay, uh, 1984, Metacritic of 60, origin story of Wax On. Oh, so, um, all right, so this would be, why can't I think of his name? Well, it's Mr. Miyagi, Pat, whatever yes. his name is. Pat yeah, Marita, yeah. yeah. Yep. That would be, that'd be fun. I called uh, it right. young, it's called Young Miyagi, of course. Yeah, perfect. Love that. All right, let, let's do, <laughs> this one's dumb. 2003 of 54, Never too old to pledge. <laughs> uh, is it old school? <laughs> yeah. Let me guess. Remember? Frank the Tank. It's Frank the Tank, right? Oh, no. It's no. the old guy. It's the old guy. Blue. <laughs> Blue. Nice pick. Thanks. <laughs> uh, 2018 Metacritic of 62. Definitely not a nerf herder. 2018? I mean, you could also go with 1980 if you wanted to, but I went with 2018. Oh, no. I'm missing both of those. Uh, this is Lando. I want to see a, I want to see Donald Glover uh, okay. set whatever anytime after the solo movie uh, do Lando. Maybe him getting to Bespin. I don't know. Like, there's so much to... First of all, like you said earlier, and I was waiting to say it here, love Glover. I'll watch him in anything. Yeah, I think Solo is one of the most underrated movies we've had in a while. In the Star Wars pantheon, it's definitely in my top five. Oh, like, wow. of, uh, yeah, for sure, maybe top four. 
that good. Wow. Well, I mean, you had me at Donald Glover. So yeah, I'm totally in. Uh, Let's do 2004, 64% politically motivated, agriculturally minded. Politically motivated, agriculturally. No idea. Uh, Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I could watch the whole whole movie of Pedro. Then again, if you told me what Napoleon Dynamite would be about, I would have said I couldn't watch an hour of that either. So why not? 2003, Metacritic of 62, Exiled Henchmen of the Merovingian. All right, so this is a problem because I know the Merovingian is obviously a thing that in my head is going, you know that word, and I can't, for the life of me, place what it's from. It's from one of the, usually we don't talk about them, but sometimes we have to, Matrix sequels. Okay. I want to see the twins. I want to see the twins in the Matrix universe. I don't care what they do. They were such interesting potential. It's part of what I don't like about the the movies is it's like, again, the opposite of Chekhov's gun. You've got these fascinating characters that, that look really cool. You base all of your promos around them. And then, you know, they sort of, sort of show up and kind of just kind of do stuff. And, you know, they're a minor thorn in the side, but nothing, there's no real depth and there's so much, they just look so cool. Basically, I just want to see these ghosting albino twins from the the Matrix series. That's what I want. Yeah, I'm into it. I would watch it. Uh, All right, 2004 with a 90 on Metacritic. Cold as ice. Cool, too. What year? 2004. This is just your big year. Cold as ice. I know. Is it it like Happy Feet or something? (laughs) No, this is uh, Frozone or Lucius Best from The Incredibles. Ah, okay. Nice. I will go to 96, Metacritic score of 31. It's all in the hips. 96. All in the hips. It's all in the hips. Happy Gilmore, you want to see the story of Chuck beforehand? Uh, Chubbs, yeah. Sure do. Sure do. (laughs) That's dope. Uh, All right, let's do 92 with an 86. Eternal power, tiny accommodations. This is Aladdin... The genie. Yeah, just the genie. I actually want to like act- actively pitch this to Disney on Twitter today and be like, why haven't you done the three three seasons of the genie's previous owners? Just do it. I think they just can't now. I don't think you could touch genie without Robin Williams. Yeah, I know. It'd be tough. Just get somebody who does his voice. It'd be fine. <laughs> Recreated from his comments, his stand-up footage. Just like you, the, that plus some deep fake stuff. I'm sure they could do it. Yeah. 1964, Metacritic score of 97. Movie title character, small part. What year is this? 1964. Oh my gosh. 1960. I I get so nervous when it's old. My brain just shuts off and goes, you don't know this. I have no idea. You know this. I'm sure you know this. I know you know this because I watched it with you. Dr. Strangelove? (laughs) Yeah. I want to see a movie about Dr. Strangelove. Because I love the movie, don't get me wrong, but his character is only on screen for minutes. Like it has the least, the Doctor Strange love of the Peter Sellers roles has the least talking. So yeah. I just want to see more about him. Like he's just such a goofy, quirky, you know? Yeah, I, I'm totally in. I, I would totally watch that. All right, let's do 2017 with a 74 
boozy, fighty, jumpy, superhero-y? What year? 2017. Boozy, fighty, superhero-y. This is like a... Uh, too late for Deadpool. I don't know. Uh, so this specifically is Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok. I think she deserves her own movie immediately. So funny enough, 2017, Metacritic 74, how I didn't notice this on my list, tried to start a revolution. Also Valkyrie? I want to see Korg, the rock monster oh, guy. He's off ghost. <laughs> yeah. Dude, some of Taika Waititi's best work, the voice, he has like, the, the whole new Doug bit in that makes me so happy. I laugh so hard at that movie. I love that movie, man. Love that movie. It's off Ghost. It's so good. Uh, okay, well, we'll stay in the same universe. 2014 with a 76, whistles while he works. 2014. And he whistles. Oh, uh, geez. I, I think... I- 2014. This is bugging me now. Yondu. Uh, okay. Yeah. I could watch a Yondu movie. Especially after GTG 2. Okay. 2004, Metacritic 66. <laughs> Tried to make Fetch happen. <laughs> so, this is the other girl from Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. I think... So Karen was... Uh, not Lacey Chabert. The the other one. I, I forgot her name at this time. Um and her, she was, you know, they're both kind of meant to be dumb characters. I just think they're both hysterical and you could have a clueless style movie or a bring it on style movie or anything like that with either of them. I just, yeah, I immediately thought of a clueless style movie with just the two of them after Regina George leaves school because she's all broken up and, you know, whatever happens with the, the main character there. Uh, all right. I only have two more. I've got uh, 1985 on my birthday, just because I always bring it up in 87 Mad Scientist Transports Best Friend. So I assume this is Back to the Future, and I assume this is Young Doc. Correct. Okay, cool. I had Before He Stole Iranian Plutonium. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. A 1996 Metacritic of 83, Heroin Addict Didn't Choose Life. 1996... And it's an 83, and it's a heroin addict who didn't choose life. Oy, it's a very serious. Oh, uh, so it's one of the guys from Train. Is it Johnny Lee Miller's character from Train Spotting? It's Spud. Spud. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought okay. he was he was such, such, such a, another wacky character. It's almost like uh, Jesse from Bat, from uh, Breaking Bad. Like I just I could see him off having some antics. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I lied. I have two more. So I have uh, this one's 1985 with a 62%. Poor brother wants ice cream. <laughs> say the, I'm sorry, say the year. 85 with a 62%. Poor brother wants ice cream. It's not. Uh, now I think you're trying to pick one of my movies. I know <laughs> this isn't. Well, for a second, I think it, 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 it. I'm thinking of Better Off Dead, but I know it's not Better Off Dead. So, what is, what is it? Uh, this is Sloth from the Goonies. Oh, uh, <laughs> Sloth! <laughs> Once again, in the love the character. I don't know if I could watch a Sloth movie, but I would watch a Sloth movie. I'm just saying. Well, listen, you're you're saying you don't know you can watch a Sloth movie because you assume that he's been that Sloth his whole life. The truth is, we don't know what happened to Sloth. 
So you want to make it like, like the Toxic Avenger. He's a normal person. And then this slow, like, is it a yeah, series he- of events? Like he gets hit on the head one time and... <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, maybe he, like, went for a swim uh, in the Simpsons pool in Springfield where the, the, the fish have three eyes. I don't know what happened to the guy. I'm just saying. I'd be interested. <laughs> okay. 1991, Metacritic score 51, which is lower than I thought it would be for a movie that I liked and I haven't put on the list much, and I'm surprised about that. Okay. Honorable Thief's Moorish Best Buddy. 1991, Honorable Thieves, Moorish Best Buddy. Only Honorable Thieves I can think of is Robin Hood. Correct. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And okay. they made Azim was Morgan Freeman's character. And oh. he's he's a Saracen and he shows up and he basically saves the day. And I think uh, he's a cool, cool character. I like it. I would have gone with Achu from Men and Tights personally. Uh, all right, so this is my la- my last one. 1994 with an 82. I think this might be my most – this is the one I was most happy with my top my five words. Crustacean connoisseur, troubled trigger man. What year? 1994. Crustacean connoisseur, yeah. trouble. <laughs> 94. Is this it's no, it's too early for that. It's not pulp fiction, right? Nope. No, I got nothing. All right. Crustacean Connoisseur was the big one. Uh Bubba from Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh. Crustacean Connoisseur. The Bubba story. All right. I somehow have two more. We must have gone out of order somewhere. So I've got 1982, Metacritic 84. This is a know it or you don't kind of clue. Those moments lost in time. Jurassic Park? 82. Oh, 82. I thought he said 92. 82. I have no idea. So the character is Roy Batty. And the movie is Blade Runner. Oh, okay. This is uh, Rucker Howard. (laughs) Oh, Rucker Howard. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing it all back together right there. I like it. The circle. And uh, I think, you know, he was, he's, he's actually the, technically the antagonist of the movie, but he's not in the way that most antagonists roll. And I just think seeing more of his journeys is, I mean, he talks about like seeing uh, sunrise on Europa and like all these crazy things, like show us that. I want to see that movie. That's dope. That'd be a good one. That's a good one. And then my last one is 1997 Metacritic score of 70 best friends with genius janitor. Oh, uh, the Ben Affleck story from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's Chucky. <laughs> I think you call it Retainer the movie. That's, <laughs> That's what I want to do with that one. I like it. I like it very much. Uh, well, this was a very fun list. I actually really liked. I was surprised. I, I wasn't sure how well I'd like it. I loved it. I loved some of your picks. I think I like your picks more than my picks this week, which is always fun. But it also is time for me to pick next week's. So, Jeremy. Next week, we're going to do the top five guy cry movies. I'm trying to simulate a crying sound. Like, you know, <laughs> you sound like you need like, help. Mm, yeah, I'm an injured <laughs> dog. Uh, this was, uh, this was Tam- our friend Tammy's pick. So I, I love it. Good, good choice, JT. I got to. Now, I'm, I, I cry in every movie. So I'm going to have to give myself some rules here. But that's fair. I like it. 
Like yeah, that. I think uh, first of all, we love a good uh, we love a good listener recommendation. So Tammy, shout out, thank you very much. Uh, and second of all, listen, I think off the heels of Valentine's Day, where I'm sure many of us watched some sort of like sobby rom commy thing, I think a good there's nothing wrong with a good guy cry, and we're here to normalize that at the Lo-Fi Top Five, guys. <laughs> I love it. Again, if I could simulate a cry, like I just want to do a fake cry. I don't know. It's, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I guess that's why I'm not an actor. Well, we'll keep working on, on the guy cries and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks for joining the Lo-Fi Top 5. I love carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. <laughs>